0: You're listening to Broke. We bring you stories about what happens at the intersection of poverty and life. I'm Joanne Goldblum. I've spent my life working with people in poverty. I'm joined by my friend, Colleen Shaddix, a journalist whose beat is social justice. Today, we're going to talk about how nonprofits can help make sure that poverty doesn't stop people from exercising their right to vote. That's something that's all too common, isn't it, Colleen?
1: Yes, sadly it is. Um, We know that in the 2016 election, more than half of the eligible citizens who didn't vote had incomes below $30,000. There are a lot of reasons why this is the case. One reason is active voter suppression to make it more difficult for people to vote than it has to be. Um, The other is more passive. Certainly, Everything is harder when you're poor, including voting. If you have to stand in a line for three hours to vote because there aren't enough poll workers in your polling place and you are an hourly employee, you may just not be able to do that. So there need to be active ways that people are not just suppressing the vote, but working to get the vote out and make sure the vote is equitable. And there are a lot of things that we can do to increase voting for low-income people. So we're very happy to welcome Philip Vanderclay, who's Director of Policy and Government Relations at the National Diaper Bank Network, an organization that Joanne founded. Welcome, Philip.
2: Hi. Thanks,
0: Colleen.
1: So, Philip.
2: Yes, Philip. Um,
0: welcome. As Colleen said, we're really glad you're uh, here with us. Um, you know, at the National Diaper Bank Network, I know we've been partnering with other national organizations and with our member diaper banks to um, help register uh, people to vote. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So NDBN has been working with uh, some organizations who are focused on getting people registered to vote and getting people more information about voting. And it's a really exciting partnership because our diaper bank members are really trusted resources in their communities, whether it's with their partner agencies or clients that they're serving directly. Um, They have constant contact with families that they are maybe seeing, you know, once or twice a month, um, and they're, you know, providing resources to them, whether it's, you know, actual diapers or information. And so in partnering with organizations focused on voter registration and sharing election information and getting out the vote, diaper banks connect as a really great nexus to uh, giving you know potential voters uh, the information they need to register, uh, information about voting, uh, whether it's in person or especially this year voting absentee or vote by mail. Um, and so there are you know some really cool events happening around the country where you know an organization will be hosting. Uh, a food or uh, resource distribution and you know, diaper ranks can be a part of that. And so, you know, families come and they receive you know, meals, groceries, um, maybe some other uh, basic necessities, diapers for their children. And they're able to check their voter registration, get registered to vote and receive information about specifics in the upcoming election and, and what their rights are in that. So it's a really cool partnership to, to empower communities and break down some of the barriers that are out there.
0: That's really cool. Hey, hey, Philip, we're working with um, a really cool national organization on this, aren't we?
2: Yeah, we are. So they're called When We All Vote. um, And they have some really amazing people co-chairing it. Uh, Michelle Obama is one of the co-chairs. And so obviously, Mm -hmm. she's amazing. Um, And yeah, they're doing stuff all across the country.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool.
1: You know, nonprofits are very... uh skitzy sometimes about getting too close to anything political. Can you talk a little bit about what it means for a 501c3 to work to register people or even provide rides, get people to the polls, that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great point, uh, because there is definitely a lot of hesitancy about anything that's political. And obviously, voting is, is political, but it's not really about it being political. It's about being You know, nonpartisan, right? We're not as the five hundred one C three. You're not helping necessarily one party or the other. You're helping people exercise their right to vote, and so that is totally you know okay for nonprofits to do. And the nonprofits who are working on this voter registration, they're also five hundred one C threes, and so they're following all the same rules and regulations. And so it's totally safe, uh, appropriate behavior for for nonprofits to be involved in.
0: So, Philip, can you just describe a little bit? You know, so at these events, right, you have all sorts of information about voter registration. Are 501c3s allowed to put out um, information about the candidates if they put out both, or is that not okay?
2: Yeah, that's a great point, Joanne. Um, As long as 501c3s are putting out information, like you said, about both, or in some cases where you have multiple candidates and different Mm -hmm. parties, you know, not necessarily. Democrat, Republican, but also other parties, you know, I know in some places like Working Families Party or the Green Party, um, as long as you're putting out information and it can be, you know, something like uh, scorecards in terms of policies or or different things about how, you know, those candidates uh, feel about certain issues, questionnaires, those kind of things are all totally fine.
1: You know, it seems to me that a lot of human services, social services organizations, ultimately what you're trying to do is empower people. And maybe the way you empower them is by, you know, giving them the diapers they need so that they can get their kid into childcare and get to work and do the things they need to do in life. But this is another way of empowering people. I mean,
0: yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know,
1: voting is the most basic way that we exercise our rights as American citizens, and it shouldn't be out of anybody's reach.
0: Right. I mean, the the truth is that political power is part of self sufficiency. You know, having your own agency to vote for the person you would like to represent you. I mean, because because that's I think what sometimes gets lost in all the the sort of noise of politics is what are you really voting for?
1: Right. And we also know that higher income voters are less likely to support the kinds of policies that advance the interests of low income people. So, you know, if if politicians don't act in the interest of the communities we serve, you know, one reason for that is they don't fear that the communities we serve are going to hold them accountable at the ballot box. And that needs to change.
2: And I think a, a big piece of that, too, is we always talk about voting being a voice, and it absolutely is, but it's also a voice in, in more than a sense of just the number on the end result of an election, because so many campaigns um, and polling firms use voter registration as a way to contact people and to find out what people are thinking and what's mm-hmm. important to them. And so when campaigns are doing outreach, and if they're getting a lot of feedback from voters who are, you know, maybe now registered for the first time thanks to some work of outreach and and these nonprofit organizations, um, that's going to change the conversation in politics and in elections, um, you know, even without people necessarily saying it
0: themselves. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Can I ask you a question, Philip? Is that how um, seemingly every campaign in America has gotten my cell phone number? (laughs) just wondering, is that really, is that where it comes from, voter registration? A lot of times it does yes
2: come from voter registration. there uh you know different states have collect different information. It's often optional to put your phone number down, but if you put your phone number down when you register to vote, mm-hmm. campaigns are going to use it and contact you'
0: it's real it's really interesting, right? because I think it's easy to think, "Oh, I get these because I gave money once or something like that, but that's not really the case all the time sometimes you know and and so. It really is you know people talk about voting being a right and a privilege um, and it it shouldn't you know in the United States be a privilege. it is a right, and everyone should be able to vote
2: absolutely, absolutely,
1: you know it's interesting. this is certainly the most contentious, acrimonious election of my lifetime. And we're seeing more and more people step up and really realize that everyone should get a say in making this decision, doing a lot of outreach to communities that have been underrepresented at the polls in the past. I, I wonder if either of you think that this is something that's going to continue from here on out. Will will nonprofits now see this as part of their mission, that one of the things we need to do on behalf of the people we serve is to really make sure that they have good access to the polls?
2: I hope so. Um, and I, I think that this is something so. that's <laughs> really cumulative. Um, you know, when people are registered to vote and then participate in elections, it makes it easier for them to do so in the future. And especially the way things are this year with so much additional focus on absentee voting and voting by mail. Those are huge things that reduce barriers for so many people. And so if we're helping people get registered and participate in election that way this year, that makes it easier for those policies um, and and practices to continue into the future in a way that really helps access. Um, And just one thing that I'll flag is, is so many times voter registration, there are states that will purge, quote unquote, the, the voter rolls. Mm-hmm. And so maybe if you haven't voted since 2012, you know, you might not be registered to vote anymore. But if we empower people to get registered again and to be able to participate in, in a relatively easier way in the election, then that can become a practice and that, that continues and carries forward.
0: Yeah. And and I think think that's a really good point, Philip. And I think one other aspect of all of this is that, you know, you said before, Colleen, this is the most contentious election we've ever seen. Also, in my memory, I don't believe there's ever been a presidential candidate who has suggested that um, there might be, um, you know, improprieties in voting, Um, you know, which I do think Lends another, um, you know, complication to to the whole thing because not only are people who are traditionally disenfranchised still disenfranchised,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's even more.
1: Yeah, and these are folks who are more likely to have some sort of challenge to their right to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Philip was talking about the purges. We know a lot of those are done by mailing um, letters to voters and making them confirm their status. And we know that people in poverty have a lot of housing instability. They move more Rapidly, we know that they have poor mail delivery in their neighborhoods. If I were trying to wipe low-income voters off the voting rolls, I think I might very well do it by mail. Um, It's a great strategy.
0: That's that's really interesting. Um, I I think another thing that is really interesting is the issue of um, you know, sort of how people feel about their vote counting. You know, there's so much tied up in voting, you know, sort of emotionally, I think.
1: Yeah. And I wonder what difference it makes if you're dealing with a provider who you see as a good force in your life, who's helping you get the things you need, who's who says to you, Yeah, and voting is for you too.
0: Right. Because I think it's easy to think well, my one vote won't matter. And, and I think that's easy for everyone, you know, rich and poor alike. Um, you know, we all joke, well, well, you know, Philip, you're not in Connecticut anymore, but, um, you know, Colleen and I are. And, you know, I have often said, you know, I wish I lived somewhere and my vote counted. You know, I still vote every time.
1: Yeah. But in a state that's very, very blue or very red, you, you right. feel like you could stay home and the outcome wouldn't change.
0: Exactly. But where, where there is real um, contention, every vote – I mean, every vote matters no matter what. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes that's hard to see. Well,
2: I think two So really when diaper great, banks are
1: um, – I'm sorry. Go ahead, Philip.
2: Yeah, I think there's two really great points that you all have tied in there in terms of the importance of, of diaper banks and other organizations being mm-hmm. trusted sources of information, one, with misinformation out there. You know, I've heard so many stories of people saying like, "Oh, I don't have my voter card, so I can't vote this year." And saying, "No, like, you don't need a voter card. You can just go to the polls and vote. Your name's already there." Um, or you know, the Mm -hmm. the information about you know the mail or all those kind of stuff. You know, as a trusted resource, organizations can combat that. But also, I think you're spot on, Joanne, in saying that organizations can help people remember that it is really important to vote and that their vote does matter. And yeah, even if the vote doesn't matter for president, what happens at your local You know, town hall matters a lot too, and those people are are elected officials. And you know, your state legislature is going to make it easier or harder for you to vote depending on who's in power. Um, And so, those are all you know really important things that uh, maybe with a little bit more information from a trusted resource, people feel a lot better about about their vote and what they're doing.
0: So that's a really good point, and and I, I feel like I was we we were remiss not bringing it up before, but absolutely. Local politics are politics and local politics impact everybody's life in a very significant way. Um, You know, some would say more than national politics. Yeah.
1: And you're much more empowered to do something about it. You know, I can call up people on my local board of selectmen. I can call up my state Senator representative, you know, they're not answerable to millions of people. Right. So my little voice is, is something they have to keep in mind.
0: Well, Colleen, do you want to tell us a little bit about the work you've been doing? You know, we want to talk about hyperlocal. You've done some really, really interesting stuff in your town.
1: I have done some stuff in my town. (laughs) Um, So I, I live in a, a pretty conservative town. Um, and after the 2016 election, I organized a, a local group. I, I'm sorry, not me. Lots of people organized a local group to um, to push back for things that were important to us, like um, marriage equality, immigrants' rights, things like that. Um, and we've been successful. Um, our state senator at the time was unwilling to say that he was going to outlaw conversion therapy for minors, um, which is a, it's, it's bigotry disguised as science. It's, um, Mm -hmm. supposedly you can cure people of their homosexuality. Um, and it's incredibly damaging to people and just, just horrible. Um, and we organized and we came to a, like sort of a, question and answer session that he was having at a local library and we changed his vote within 24 hours mm-hmm. so that's you know that matters it matters um, so
0: much yeah
1: my local planning and zoning commission um had basically refused to recognize that zoning in any way contributes to segregation um and they were getting away with that and um you know, I made sure that a tape of that meeting got widely seen. Um, and now I think that's going to lead to a real discussion in our town after the election is over about ways that zoning contribute to segregation and what responsibilities we all have today for laws that our parents and grandparents may have enacted and, and ways to change that to make it more equitable. Um, so that's all possible, you know, and we're just ordinary people doing this kind of stuff. We don't have any money. We have full-time jobs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're just pushing on the things that matter to us. And, and, and it's that impressive. makes a difference.
0: Yeah, it it really is and I think that you know, as always, Colleen is, is so humble. She wrote an amazing article about the zoning issues, um, you know, that we should link to in this, Colleen, when we post it, because it's a it's a great article. And and not for nothing, it got picked up all over and it really changed some conversations, you know, so who you vote for locally and what you do with that power, which everyone has, every single American. And I guess even as I say that, that's not true, is it, Philip, right? Not every single American can vote.
2: Yes, that is correct. Um, Unfortunately, there are many places where um, people who maybe previously had uh, felony convictions um, cannot vote. And so there, there are lots of barriers even there. Mm -hmm. which is actually
1: another thing i'm sorry i just wanted to do a commercial for um paying off people's fines and fees in floridas uh, mm um people who had a felony conviction and have served their time have regained their right to vote but that right is held up if they still owe fees for you know you have to pay for your own parole officer and things like that they're ridiculous sort of debtors prisons models. Um, but there's a national drive to raise money for that. And they're more than halfway there to pay off all the fees in Florida. So I,
0: th- you know, I th- you thought you Mike Bloomberg did it. I thought. No, it- no, no
1: There's no. still several million dollars away. He made a very significant contribution,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: there is there is further to go.
0: OK. That's great to know. What, what were you going to say, Philip?
2: I was just going to tie back to some of the local stuff you were talking about and just say that sometimes people have an idea that elected officials don't care what voters think or what people think, Um, but their jobs depend on it. So they actually care a lot. And especially when you get down to the local election and those elections are decided by a couple hundred or maybe 10, or I believe there was in one case in Connecticut, a, a Time when it was six votes, um, and in Florida or in yeah. Virginia, there was actually a few years ago an election that was tied, and they had to flip a coin to decide the winner, and and so those elected officials pay a lot of attention to what people are saying about them and what voters might be feeling about them because their jobs depend on it, and so they're actually very well, tuned in such... when people register to vote and and are unhappy with their
0: job. And I think that example of, you know, a tie really tells you every vote matters. And if you're the one person who was, didn't vote, but meant to, Mm. you could have been the person that elected the candidate of your choice. Right. You know, so so it's.
2: Particular election, the actual control of the state house came down to that seat
0: right wow yeah so your so so it is not hyperbole to say your vote matters
1: Absolutely. no not at all and again at the state level you're doing things like deciding access to medicaid you're deciding mm-hmm. how educational funding gets distributed it's it's the national stuff gets the attention but the state stuff really affects people
0: right sales taxes state tolls, taxes, income tax, um, and expenditures. So much of it, you're right, is state. And, um, you know, it's, it's really, really important.
1: Philip, what kind of commitment does a nonprofit have to make um, to help their constituents register? How much work is it? Like, what might a typical event look like?
2: Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, you know, it's, I, I think, in line with a lot of the same information sharing that nonprofit organizations are already doing with the communities that they serve. Uh, you know, a lot of nonprofits are doing stuff around the census. This is very similar. Registering to vote is filling out a form. And so if you're giving people You know, a tablet and say, hey, here you go. You can check if you're registered to vote. And then in two minutes, register to vote if you're not already registered. Um, And I'm here to help you walk through that. Or did you know about vote by mail so that, you know, I get that you're working on Tuesday on election day. So here's a way that you can fill it out beforehand and turn it in and have your vote counted without having to miss work or without having to stand in line for four hours and worry about childcare and all that other stuff. And so it's just that information sharing in just a few minutes with yeah. a client that that makes all the difference.
0: And and I think it's also really important for people to realize people who um, run businesses or own stores or retail establishments or anywhere you can give people time off to vote, you know, mm-hmm. um, like for example, at the National Diaper Bank Network, we don't, you don't have to take PTO to vote. You don't have to, to use your, your yeah. time um, to vote because we consider it uh, really something that is your, you know, it's a civic duty. And we don't just like um, many employers um, pay people when they're on jury duty, it's a civic duty. And so, you know, business owners um, can make that decision and and we really encourage that and again it's not partisan you're not telling people who to vote for you're saying this is really important it's so important to our company that we will give you time off to do it
2: that's right that's a great point and know, even just letting people know me. that they have that option you know some people might be too scared to ask for it and so miss election day right so that's really great
1: yeah Good point. You know, we always talk in nonprofits about being Mm strength-based and not just seeing our clients in terms of, you know, frequently it's the need that brings them, right? I'm hungry. I'm sick. I'm whatever. Um, But voting is a strength that we all have. Um, And it's wrong to not give everybody the opportunity to, to exercise that strength. It just seems so mission to me for right, right. Well, any any nonprofit that's trying to elevate people.
0: Yeah, you're right.
2: Yeah, I really like how you said that.
1: Philip, are there um organizations that community based nonprofits can be reaching out to right now who would help them with their get out the vote efforts?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I mentioned uh, When We All Vote earlier. So that's whenweallvote.org. And they are doing really awesome work across the country. Uh, And also, IWillVote.org is another organization doing really great work, getting information out there. And they have really awesome, easy-to-use websites where you can just Mm -hmm. pull it up and check your own voter registration, um, check the voting rules and laws in your state. Um, Because that's such an important part of this is it's different state to state. And so they've set Mm -hmm. up their website so that you can bring up the information about your own state um, and share that with, with your clients and the people that you're serving very easily because they've already got the website built out.
1: Yeah, I realize that right now, anybody who's doing community based work is working two, three, four times as hard because of the COVID crisis. So it's it's an odd time to be asking a nonprofit to do an extra thing. But really, it's, this is something that can work pretty seamlessly into what most folks already do with the help of these organizations that give you the information you need to be effective.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right.
1: Well, this has been great, Philip. Any, any other tips that you want to give to nonprofits before we close?
2: You know, I just think that one of the most important things is that you are a trusted source of information. And that means so much in a time where people are really skeptical about politics and about the information's out there. And there's a lot of efforts, as you mentioned earlier, to dissuade people from voting and to make things too hard or confusing. And so simply you know, telling people, "Hey, this is this is your right." Like you said, Colleen, this is your power, and yeah. um, here's an easy way for you to exercise it, and it matters. Um, I think is is just so important, and the resources are out there, and and so just sharing that, you know, website can can maybe be all it takes to help someone uh, overcome some barriers and, and participate in in the electoral process and, and exercise their right and their power.
1: Terrific.
0: Thanks, Philip thanks so much thank you for listening
1: to broke if you have a story to tell we want to hear from you you can send us an email at american broke at gmail.com philip it was so lovely to have you and joanne it is always lovely to talk with you
0: right back at you colleen always a pleasure and again, thanks philip